Good evening, everyone. My name is Fernando. Welcome to episode two of Brotherly Talk. I am welcome with Merklin. I am welcome with Aubrey. What's up, guys? Good to be back. And I am welcome with Hunter. Friendly neighborhood uh, civilian. <laughs> so with the second episode, we are going to cover the second half of Army Top Army Topic until we jump to another topic. So with that being said, I'm going to have Dennis Merklin as primary for this discussion just because I feel that he has some good things he can contribute to this conversation. So we're going to jump right into it. Dennis, you, yes. me, Aubrey, we're out the military in seven, eight months now. So first question I want to ask you is how's the process of separating from the Army? Excited, worried, scared? Just, just tell me about it. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, the I'm gonna be excited about getting out, but I'm also kind of scared. I haven't really been this nervous ever since I joined, obviously, because you're moving from a very well structured environment to the outside world, and you gotta figure out how to get a better job. You gotta figure out how to uh, support yourself on the outside, because you know, in the military. You can get that free housing, Medicare, dental, so you have to worry about all that stuff when you get out as well. Uh, the Army program, SFLTAP, has been very helpful in a way. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I kind of thought they would teach us a lot more to it, but I'm grateful with what they taught me so far. When you say teach you more, what do you mean? What do you wish they taught you more of that they don't necessarily go over? So they usually go over everything from finance to get a job to links or websites that can help you reach out and get a better career. But it's a very short week. It's only usually five days. So I wish it could maybe be extended to two or three weeks because I know there's a lot of people out there who still struggle that transition from a military to civilian career. It's in West Point, correct? Your SFL tap classes are all in five days in West Point? Yes. And you, Aubrey, how is your SFL tap uh, schedule laid out at Fort Carson? Uh, yeah, sorry. Just go ahead and clip it out. All right, but back to that topic, yeah. Um, so it's only three days for me. Like, the big main portion of SFL tap is in three days. You can take additional classes to go further in depth on what you want to actually look at, but it's just a main chunk of three days. You have like an initial counseling time where you show up and you talk to the um, advisor that helps you kind of get started on what you're going to be doing in those classes and how the transition is going to look like over the time because you can't knock out everything at once. But the main portion of SFL TAP is uh, three days on Fort Carson. Okay. For our viewers listening, just want to break up some few differences. Your SFL type schedule is different by which installation you're on. So Dennis is at West Point. West Point is a very prestigious military college. Not many people SFL tap or separate from there. So that's why they will just schedule him for all five days in a span of a week. Aubrey, he's in a tier system where he requested he just gets the main classes, the help that he feels he needs, and that's done. So that's spread out between three classes. Me, on the other hand, here in JBLM, I volunteered to take every course available, and I was given the opportunity to have 10 or 9 classes, 
unlike Dennis, where he was only given opportunity of five. So I just want to point that out there. That that varies. I know Korea doesn't have the best SFL tap program from the few people I've talked to over there, just because it's Korea, it's overseas, resources are limited. Not just anybody wants to work in Korea. So the counselors that are over there are going out of their way to help us veterans from separating. So I just want to, I just want to share that piece of information. So I appreciate you guys uh, answering that. I do. Um, Something. So. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to cut you off, brother. But something that I did want to ask Dennis about his experience in SFL TAP was, um, do you think the Army should be doing more? And in what ways, if so? Uh, I think the Army can definitely stride to make a SFL TAP system permanent. Like Jimbo said, that different installations have a different time period between, like, example for you, three days to him with 10 days, and I'm in the middle of five. I think that tap should be at least a good 10 days, maybe a class for two days so people can get a better grasp on it and soldiers won't have such a hard time struggling when they make that transition. Brendan, question. What's a class you think that can use a little more emphasis as you separate from the military? I have my own personal answer, but I want to hear you guys first. Here, Aubrey, you can go. You can go first. Um... So I don't remember too much, if I'm being honest. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, when it comes down to the transition assistance program and the classes, the military service members were all trained. I, I, I'm going to use that term, yeah. We're all trained to just be sleepy when it comes down to being in a class because most of the times we just want it to be over with. So I, I did pay attention as much as I could, but there were definitely some dry portions where I was just like, ugh. I just wanted it to be over. But the thing that stood out to me was um, there's a class on Department of Labor and, you know, how to apply for jobs, um, how to get a decent resume. They gave us a little pamphlet that had a lot of information and a little booklet with a lot of information in it as well. But I think they could have gone a lot more in depth when it comes down to how to search for those jobs, okay? The only thing that I remember them saying was something about government jobs because they look for military service members and it's easier to get in because you already, a lot of us have secret clearances and stuff. So that's just a portion of the government that's just knocked out the way when applying for a government job as is. And then we just end up going back into the same system, just a little bit better because it's not military, right? So when it comes down to the Department of Labor, the doll class, I think they can go in a lot more depth, give us more opportunities like how, okay, if we don't use online opportunities or resources to look and apply for jobs, then how are, how are we going to look in our local community for those job listings maybe and how we should approach those job listings because they might be different from how you approach an online one because an online one has, uh, I think you mentioned it in the last session, Jimbo, an algorithm that it looks through when it's looking through resumes and stuff then what are, what about small town issues and stuff you know small small town jobs you know how are we going to apply for them walk in how are we going to walk in yeah that they give us a little elevator speech thing but small towns don't have elevators they got barns you walk into a barn shake someone's hand and you're like hey this is my name all right this is me like how do how do we approach that situation i i know how to do it because that was somewhat small towny and my my dad was always small towny so he taught me that and that's just a lucky resource that I had was my father who taught me how to introduce myself in situations like that. But most of the army, I guarantee they don't have those opportunities. 
unless you know maybe it was uh, another circumstance like the father but i think the department of labor class that the transition assistance program does should be a lot more in depth because that's got to be the most important thing about transitioning out getting a job getting a job is the most important thing because what are you going to do when you're out period no that's good that's good it's a, there's a there's a huge difference when you're applying for a government job there's a huge difference when you're applying for a city job there's a huge difference when you're applying for a small business job there's a huge difference when you're applying for a small town job there's a huge difference when your application doesn't get accepted online which is rare nowadays by the way but i see what you mean there is a huge difference there's, it's not a clear once you fits all this is how you apply to a job with your resume mm-hmm. so that's good i appreciate you appreciate you mentioning that you Merck, what do you have for us what's something that military can focus on when separating um for me personally i feel like they could touch more on the va benefit side because when i was going through my spell type classes they touched on it for maybe an hour or so and then they skipped over it but it's very important for veterans and soldiers trying to transition with that civilian career because the military does put a lot of wear and tear on your body right if someone tells you that they don't they're lying to you all right you'll be going through 12 mile rucks, running every day for PT, you know, it takes a toll on your body, right? And I want to try to get my claims for that, you know, because you deserve your money, right? And I think that the Army should definitely focus a little more on helping soldiers get those claims, obviously for not just a money reason, but like a medical-wise as well. So long-term help. Long-term, we're going to set you up. We're not going to tell you how to do it. We're going to show you how to do it. Exactly. That's fair. That's fair. I like that because I believe when I went to my class, he broke it down in four hours how to make a claim, but that's all they did. They broke it down. They didn't show us the proper steps. They didn't, okay, guys, who's going to make a claim? Who has their medical documents? It's sit right here in front of the class. Let me show you how to do your medical documents claim. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That's a good answer. That's definitely a good answer. Hmm. I was thinking more as what Aubrey said, where if you're in the military, you know you can't stay in the class for more than an hour mm-hmm. until you get tired, until you get sleepy. So given that we're entering 2023 now, I think it's time that the Army goes away with just PowerPoints. I think it's time where if you're going to a class about job interviews, take us to a job fair. Talk to us while we're going through a job fair. Are we sitting in a why are we sitting in a classroom about job interviews? You can take us to a job interview, interview fair. Why are we still just in a chair, just listening off a of PowerPoint? Don't get me wrong. The instructors are professional, 100% professional. They do what they do because they love it. It's not because of the pay, because I've seen the pay on USA Jobs. It's not it. So I wish they thought outside the box more. If you're going to go over a job interview course, take us to a job fair. If you're going to go over a how to file a medical claim course, literally take us to where we have to walk to to talk to the person that will help us get our medical documents. Does that make sense? Or am I wrong? That's 100%, man. I couldn't think of any better way to do it because the military is uh, where we learned hands-on. As young people, as young adults, we were instilled with hands-on training. So why aren't we going hands-on when we're transitioning out? Why aren't you affording us those opportunities? i also like to add on, if they can't at least take us to a job for, we can always go over a mock job interview. 
kind of like the same thing for a mock board. You know, in the military, we have these boards. You walk through the door, say your name, ask some questions, but more on the civilian side where you go in, pretend he's the guy trying to hire you. You tell yourself a little about yourself, maybe submit a little resume you did in class and go from there. I like it. Or even then, have everyone keeps claiming that Boeing wants to hire veterans. Well, where's the Boeing rep representative? How come he's not here during the job interview portion and goes over 10 minutes what kind of questions he's going to ask us? Give us that experience from them directly instead of a PowerPoint, instead of an instructor that has to do this every once a month. Right? I agree. Okay. Glad that portion's out the way. Those were good answers all around. Dennis. Yes. Separating in seven months, five years done, active duty. Do you believe your service was honorable? Are you going to see your service as honorable when you separate? Um, I definitely do think so because I spent a lot, you know, last five years as, you know, military police. I think anyone who joins the service, it's, they already made a big step to their life and surrounding people, you know. I mean, I could always go with the basic talks, like, you know, you started out to protect your country in this fellow way, but it really is a lot bigger than, you know, maybe some people might think. Like, you're still, you're still part of that 1% of the United States that actually stepped up and took the cause. So I think that anyone who, does, who did their time honorably or didn't get in trouble for something stupid, at least, uh, I think they should own that. So. so you're a big believer that as long as you served in some way, you left your family, you enlisted, you did what 99% doesn't do, you believe yeah. your service was honorable? Yes, 100%. Now, are there certain occasions where that service member can get into some trouble yes that that's that's a little different but if you went through your military time did it was everything you did was fine maybe you had like a little hiccup that's fine you know what i mean but as long as it's not something like a big charge i i think that you should have an honorable okay. you aubrey is your service going to be honorable is that how you're going to see it when you separate as a junior enlisted soldier like private first class beginning as a specialist and stuff like from like the probably about six months into being a specialist and below okay i i don't necessarily see that as fulfilling service in my book because I, I was immature i was naive and i did a lot of stupid things though i did some good things as well and the good things normally outweigh the bad things, right? But I'm I'm usually hard on myself when it comes down to it, and that's just the kind of person I am. So service between like before that, I don't really see it as too honorable, right? But it's it's service, right? And most people would see it as honorable. Everything above that point, like from the moment I joined traffic and I started making a difference and an impact in the community that I served every day, I see that as 100% honorable. There's still been some stupid things that I've done here and there in between, but once I became an NCO, I took on the responsibilities, and I, I didn't want to do those stupid things anymore because I, I really wasn't afforded those risks and chances anymore because, you know, I got, I got to uphold that rank. But I think I definitely served my community, especially of these last two years of service. You know, being a senior specialist, drop a pinning on corporal, pinning on sergeant, 100%. I, I would say that those years are honorable, but everything before is more so just naive learning. Even if I did good, yeah. it's, I wouldn't say necessarily it's honorable because, I mean, I was just there. 
kind of float in the boat. Okay, so we have a mix of two two separate answers, but still more or less honorable. Okay, I I'm gonna challenge you on that one, and I'm gonna say I respectfully disagree with what you said, Aubrey. Just because what Dennis said, at the end of the day, we chose to leave our families, we chose to leave our hometowns, we chose to sacrifice holidays, we chose to leave everything we know. I don't know how you guys feel, but I still feel shaken up that I actually decided to just get up and serve for five years. That's pretty honorable if you ask me. I don't care if you're yeah. a clerk, I don't care if you're an MP, I don't care if you're an infantry. You decided to do what 99% of people don't do. And that's you served. In one way or another, you served. Us as military police, we served. Yeah, we probably gave tickets, but you don't know how many car accidents we prevented. You don't know how many DUIs we did and prevented people from getting injured. Mm -hmm. Possibly, you know, death. It's happened, you know. So I'm going to challenge you on that one. I think... I'm going to say, with all due respect, give yourself more credit than you deserve. At the end of the day, you chose to do five years in your prime, arguably in your prime. You sacrificed that. And you did what 99% of others don't do. So yeah, just take that as you will. But thank you for sharing your honest feedback. That's what this is about. Okay. Hunter, do you have anything you would like to say before we jump on to the next topic? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would 100% agree with... Uh you and Dennis honestly if you're you're gonna get up and and you're gonna say hey drop my entire life for five years to protect the country in one way or another it, it doesn't matter you, you joined the military and you you did something that most people are either too scared or too immature to do yeah you might have had your immaturity while you were in the military but so did every other 18-year-old private. Yeah. So they, they don't expect you to be a machine, but they expect you to be there. And that's what you did. You were there. You worked your way up. You, you, y'all are, y'all worked y'all's way all the way up for the past five years. I'd see that as honorable. I appreciate that. Thank you. Next question, just to change the vibe slightly. <laughs> Retention's low. The numbers are low. Dennis, I'm going to start with you. What is one thing the Army can do to get more people to enlist? <laughs> All right, well, I mean, I have my, I have my uh, certain opinions on this, but... Just one thing. Just one. Right. It doesn't have to be a big change. Just what's one thing. Well, one thing they could, you know, maybe show a little incentive. I mean, I know we're in a time right now where the economy's not really the best, but maybe an enlistment bonus or a re-enlistment bonus, I mean, for some of the uh, soldiers. Like, let's say for us, at least 31 Bravo, I looked at a list of all the possible re-enlist bonuses, right? For all the 31 classes, the firefighters, the 18 classes, there's no re-enlistment bonuses. And I think that... We should maybe get a uh, re-enlistment bonus if you did want to uh, re-enlist as uh, our MOS. Yeah, that's true. I think we just sent, what, $1.7 trillion to Ukraine? 
for age group, right? No. And that's it. I don't know about you guys, but just a million dollars in a 31 Bravo MOS could have been used for, uh, you know, to re-enlist some of us guys that are exiting. Mm -hmm. You know, it just takes a little bit. Definitely just takes a little bit to convince someone to re-enlist if you just, if you essentially bribe them, if you bribe them eight, sign this contract, $5,000 right here. I'm saying. I'm Sam, right here, $5,000. So, okay, so for you, it's enlistment. That's fair. You, Aubrey? Was that a comment about that? Yeah, wipe my debt. I'll sign another three years. That's too easy. Um, but <laughs> one thing I would definitely change is that the Army understands the need for the difference between peacetime and a war scenario. All right. Um, the last podcast, you really chimed in on a lot of things when it involved like peacetime on what we did in peacetime. Um, there, there's a lot of things that aren't necessary that the Army still does that doesn't need to be done because we are in peacetime. So I would change peacetime efforts in the military or the army specifically, because that's the only experience that I have. I don't have any other branches experience for the army peacetime efforts just to make life a little bit more comfortable, makes life a little bit makes more sense, right? There's a saying in the army that we have, if it doesn't make sense, it's not right. Or sorry, I, I screwed that. If it makes sense, it's wrong in the army. Okay. I know you've heard that, Dennis. I know you've heard that, Jimbo. If it makes sense, it's wrong. How about we change that? If I could change one thing about the Army, if they said, if it makes sense, it's right for the peacetime efforts in the military. That's what I would change. There's a lot that involves it, and that's a very broad topic, but that's the that's the tackle route that I'd choose to really spearhead trying to get people to re-enlist. Comfortability, shit making sense now, and just taking away all the extra bullshit that doesn't need to be there when it doesn't need to be there. Period. See what you mean. I'll probably ask for a specific example towards the end in our final portion. Shaving. Which I know you guys got a stink peek of. So, but okay, sounds good. <laughs> I think what's hurting the army and its numbers is, and I know I know this topic has been brought up. The death of Vanessa. The death of Vanessa in Fort Hood. I want to see how many Hispanics chose not to enlist with their recruiters after that story broke out. I want to see how many soldiers decided not to go to boot camp after her death was all over the news. Because it impacted everybody. And I can tell you 100% as a Hispanic myself, and it's, it's impacted the Hispanic community when her death went viral, right? I want to see the numbers from Uncle Sam. How many Hispanics chose not to enlist after that broke out? I'm, I'm, well, I'm still waiting for answers on what happened. I still want to know what happened, you know, because there's a certain bond in the, right, in the minorities, right? There's a certain bond when someone of your own kind passes away or dies. Right. And then you have people asking the question, well, how come you don't want to re-enlist? Or how come you're not enlisting? You don't even know how to figure out who killed this young service member. You still haven't given us an answer. I'm still waiting. So I feel one way that the military can get more people to re-enlist is where's the community? Where's the drive? Where's the justice that you guys keep mentioning, the, the UCMJ justice? There's an officer 
that is getting a 20-year pension, retirement, after he was accused of beating his wife. And you're going to tell me that I'm going to get demoted because I was drinking with my soldiers. Where's the hypocrisy in that? Where's the, where's the fair? Where's the justice? I think that's how you get more people to join. When you start actually doing things right and you start actually having a community in your ranks, when you start having a bond in your ranks, and you start treating people fairly, that's when I think you'll get more people to enlist. Is that fair to say? Or am I wrong? No, it's, I, I agree fully. I mean, that's, that's actually kind of why I laughed at the beginning a little bit because one of the biggest things I was going to you know, mention was leadership and how the Army runs things and how the Army kind of keeps its secrets and how they kind of sweep things under the rug depending on your rank. Now, I'm just going to leave it there because obviously we are still in. So, yeah, we're professionals. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Just need to let that out. Uh, I think those are good answers all around on how how we'll get more people to enlist. When we cross those bridges. Sorry, continue. Are you talking about enlistment or re enlistment? Uh, At this point, kind of both. At this point, it's kind of both. Just to mix okay. it to, yeah, I should have been more specific, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do because with within the enlistment side, that's that's something I went through personally, because y'all know I tried to enlist uh, just a few months ago, um, and I I feel as if their their uh, medical reasons to not enlist are too heavy. Mine wasn't like I I should not be able to enlist. I have Crohn's disease. I, I should not be able to. But I feel like their requirements for medical, if you've ever broken a bone, if it's already known before you join, it shouldn't be an issue for you to join if it's been you broke your leg when you were six years old. It shouldn't be this big, huge thing for them. Okay, it was broke when you were six years old. We understand that things happen, okay, but that's not something we will pay for in the future, and it should be in your contract. And I feel like that people would accept that they would, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll sign off on that. So I feel like their medical requirements for enlistment are too heavy, especially with their retention rate and their enlistment rate being so low right now. Fair. That's really fair. I know the medical process is changing as we speak, and it's gotten more strict. So, again, like I said, when Uncle Sam decides to cross those bridges and actually start changing things for the better, starting with our four, our four opinions, I think we'll start seeing some good things coming out of it. Appreciate you sharing that, Hunter. Next question I'm going to ask you guys is, it's changed the vibe a little bit. What's one thing you're glad what is one thing that you're glad you experienced or did while serving? I'll start with you, Dennis. What's one thing you're glad that you did or you experienced while serving? I have my answer. Starts with the K. But that'll be at the end. <laughs> yeah. You kissed a girl? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, the obvious answer is kissing the homies goodnight. All right, easy, but <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but uh, serious though, I definitely it probably be definitely the uh, the friendships and the bonds that you make in the military. Like example for you two, you know, we we met at the first duty station, and now we're still here four and a half years later, even though we're across the world. You know, um, it's yeah. definitely the the bo- the bonds and the friendships that you make in the military that it's uh it feels more like brotherhood more than anything. So all the time, to- all the fun times that we had, all the times that we would get absolutely hammered in a small four by four room and it would be like peak of life. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the things that I definitely won't forget about the army. Aubrey. All right. And for, uh, since I can't steal Dennis's answer, because that's, that's, that's pretty fucking solid right there. Yeah. The friendships and the bonds, they're, they're unbeatable. They're unchangeable. You're you're in Washington. I'm in Colorado. Dennis is in New York, and we're still we still love each other. I would kiss you guys goodnight every night as long as you have your socks on, and even if you only have one sock on, I'd still kiss you. Okay. Um. So I, I guess I could turn it a little bit more personal and make this a little bit more in depth with emotions. Um. What I would choose for myself, something that I couldn't, I couldn't change would be the first suicide that I ever responded to as a law enforcement officer in the military, in the Army, right? Um, that that was a landmark for me. It was a changing moment in everything that I understood and stood for, right? I didn't know what empathy was. And then I saw someone hanging from a ceiling, and I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is something else. And it, it changed me. It changed me down to my core. Um, I started speaking softer. I started hearing people when they spoke to me. I started wanting to make a difference in a positive way. I started trying to... I changed my appearances to make people more comfortable with me so they would be, you know, they felt safer around being next to me so I can help them in any way that I can. And that And that's just speaking from a professional side of things. And... When like work in law enforcement, a professional side of things, like hey, I'm a police officer. I need you to trust me because I need to I need to do my job and I intend to do it as well as I can. So if there's one experience, that would be the experience that really I couldn't change. I experienced that, and even the even in a non-professional perspective, I think that has been able to help me be a better father, a better husband. And everything in between, a better friend, because I I taught myself empathy from that point. I wanted to hear people in their pain, because if I don't hear their pain, I don't understand. And if I don't understand, I can't help you. So, that's that's my answer. Thank you for sharing that personal experience. Definitely not your usual. Not many people talk about that. Not many people will admit that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I. I'm glad, and I'm gonna say this to the day I die. I'm gonna. Um, my family might hate me. My girlfriend might hate me. I'm glad I volunteered to go to Korea with you, Dennis. I am glad. Everyone knows Dennis got the orders to go to Korea. Mm-hmm. Homie was depressed that he was leaving. Everyone saw it in his. Everyone saw it in his face. I'm glad. I decided, you know what? I need to get up. I need to change. I need to go somewhere else new. Colorado's been good and all, but I need a different environment. I am glad I went to Korea. It was a great, amazing time. I don't know about you, Dennis. I don't know how you feel about it, but it was. It felt nice knowing 
how it feels to be a foreigner. It feels good getting away from that American society, getting away from the toxicity, getting away from the headaches and the loudness of us Americans. It felt nice going to Korea, experiencing a whole new culture, meeting nice people, nice people that know how to dress. It felt good experiencing their food. It felt good traveling. It felt good just knowing how their street system worked. I, yeah, their their drinking environment. That's a whole different thing. I think it's more safe. It's more safe over there to drink. It's different. It definitely opens your eyes. It definitely opens up your mindset that, wow, there's a bigger world out there than California. Wow, there's a bigger world out there than the United States. So I'm glad. I'll live it. It sucked to be in different time zones from my whole family, but. I'm glad I went to Korea. I'm glad I experienced that life as a foreigner, and I'm glad I went with you, Dennis. Look, man, I'm a straight guy, but I never have wanted to kiss a guy so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Facts, dog. Facts. And, and all seriousness, though, like this this man Jimbo legit found out I was going to Korea, and then a month later, he's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to Korea with you." I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> and here's the yeah. thing, bro. This man Jimbo became my roommate, bro. We would lit. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about luck. Talk about luck, though. That year went by fast in Korea. It's yeah, like, you know I remember why? Chris King. Mm-hmm. My bad, I need to cut you off. No, finish. I said, you, know, you know why? Because it was, it was a good time, right? When you, when you have fun, time flies. It does. Yes, it does. It went by too fast, if you ask me. I wouldn't mind being there for another year, to be honest with you, but it was fun. I'm glad I experienced it. I'm glad I experienced it. Um... We're at good time right now, so oh yeah, I'm gonna ask you, gonna ask you guys one question, and then we'll take it as it goes. Dennis, you have been nominated for Sergeant Major of the Army, Sergeant Major Merklin of the Army. Everyone knows every Sergeant Major comes and goes with one thing they changed. Everyone knows it. You are now Sergeant Major of the Army. What's one thing you're changing? Well, I say the Army's fucked. But <laughs> no, but um, one thing I would probably change. I know that it's a big topic in the army. It's probably very common. You guys probably know what it is. But let us let us grow our facial hair. All right, in a non-combat environment, when we're sitting here at home, stationed here, I right, just doing multiple Mondays or sitting around with our thumb up, up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's not it's not really gonna hurt anyone. We're not really under gas attack. All right, we're not gonna get threatened. And besides, we have air, fucking uh, ground-to-air missiles that'll probably shoot shit out from the stratosphere. So I think we'll be fine in a garrison environment to grow our facial hair a little bit. Okay, so the beard, 670-1. Okay. Okay. You, Aubrey? Sergeant Major Aubrey? Sergeant Major Aubrey would focus on justice. Sergeant Major of the Army, Aubrey would focus on the Uniform Code of Military Justice and the standards it takes when upholding certain criminal offenses conducted, specifically around sexual assault, sexual harassment. The, all three of us both know that we haven't experienced that. The result of that did not come out the way it should have. And the person who got justice didn't receive justice. And I'm going to leave it at that because I can't go into detail. But 
if there's one thing I, w I would change, it would be standards and enforcing of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Because if someone does something as heinous as this act was, they should be imprisoned. Period. And that's what I'm going to leave it at. That's fair. Amen to that. I like it. Sergeant Major Jimenez of the Army. You know what's one thing I would change? I don't think many people will... I see you. Yeah, parade rest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hit my yeah, fucking elbow on the wall, dude. <laughs> I think one thing I would change, and it's it's probably not one that many people will expect, but I will I will say it. There needs to be more community when someone enlists. As you guys know, I had a lot of friends while serving, mentors, you know, minorities, you know, it's bound to happen. I'm Mexican, right? It's bound to happen. I'm, I'm going to click with them more easily, right? There's a, there's a reason why we click. There's a few things that we all have that understanding of where we come from. My mentor, great mentor, Puerto Rican. There's a reason why he only hung out with Puerto Ricans and Mexicans. There's a reason. There's that community there. And he wasn't afraid to show it. He wasn't afraid to say it, you know? I'm pretty sure he told our platoon sergeant, hey, with all due respect, I ain't going over to your house for Thanksgiving. I'm going over to my Puerto Rican buddy's house who's in another unit for Thanksgiving. Where's that at? Why why isn't Sergeant Major of the Army or – let me backtrack. Why isn't that being pushed out more? Communities. How many new privates do we know that enlist and they join Fort Carson? They go to JBLM. They go to West Point. They're in a whole new world. This is not the world they came from. They don't know nothing about how this operates. They don't know how the real world is. How come we don't have more communities for them? How come there's no community for, hey, you just enlisted into the army? You're automatically you're automatically going to meet up with this social group once a month where it's nothing but new privates that enlisted for the first year. How come there's no, there's no community group where, hey, if you enlisted from, I'm going to say it, from the L.A. area, and all you know is the L.A. area. How come I'm not kicking it with people from the L.A. area? How come I'm not going to a platoon where it's more or less people from my area? You get what I mean? Where's the, where's the, where's the help? Where's the, where's the community in that? The Army is 100% mix of everybody. That doesn't mean everybody comes from the same place. I'm going to tell you that right now. The Army's getting younger and younger. Mm -hmm. Me being from LA is different from you guys being from Florida and New York. But what about the people that come from the small towns? No more than 500. Mm -hmm. How about the people that come from Puerto Rico, the island? People from Hawaii, the island life. One of our great buddies, he was from the islands. And when he came to Fort Carson, he was scared. He was scared. You know what would have really helped him out? If there was a community for people like him. So he can transition peacefully, not be scared that he just left his whole family. He chose to serve. I think we need that. I think we need more of that, more community. But that's just me. That's just I me. Agree. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree. That's a, that's a good answer. I just want to say you guys made me sound like a total asshole for choosing beards, so I expect that. <laughs> no, no. This is 100%. It's not going to – yeah, it's just talking. It's just talking. Yeah, no. So, Don't worry. My, my, my head right now is just a little hamster on the wheel. That's it. <laughs> so, Jimbo, like, what you said was, was great. Um, 
as far as it goes because if you think about it, if you think about enlistment, let's go back to enlistment for a second, right? How many people don't join the Army, the Air Force, the, the Marines, the Navy, Coast Guard, whatever, because they're scared to move? Because they're scared to not know anybody. They're scared to not have anything in common with anybody they're around. Some, some kids, 18, 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, they come out of school. They've been bullied their whole life through school. And they're like, I'm not going to go in the military just to get bullied again. I would so say... Oh, sorry. Sorry, honey. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, you're good. I, it sounded like I was pausing. And you're good. You, you can go. I, I was going to say that that specific reason is what makes us the 1%. We, we got over that fear of being around people and community that we don't know. And we enlisted because we just took that risk. I was scared. I was fucking terrified. When I got on that bus and I headed to the Jacksonville Maps, right? I fell asleep in the back of that damn van, got to the hotel, spent one night in that hotel. I swam in the pool that night, man. When I woke up in the morning, I went to Maps, sworn in, jumped on another bus, got on a plane. I wanted to vomit. I was nauseous a lot of the time. I remember one of the tips that they all said to me, anybody that I had asked, whether that be veterans, recruiters, they said, just make sure you get sleep on the plane. Make sure you get sleep on the bus when you're heading into Fort Leonard Wood and stuff. And I couldn't do that. I, I didn't sleep. I didn't do nothing. I was so anxious the entire time. I took that, but I let I let my feet guide me, not my mind. I just kept walking until I got to where there was no point of turning back. And that's why you see Dennis and Jimbo here, a part of that 1%. Because I guarantee you, it's probably the same experience that they experienced getting to Fort Leonardwood. Their minds did not lead them. Because everything that they heard in their head was like, oh shit, I'm scared. This is terrifying. Alright, how do I get through it? Let my feet walk. And they let their feet walk. Good answer. Good answer. Appreciate you guys putting that into the podcast. That's some good talk right there. Well, say I agree with you on that. I remember, you know, arriving at Maps that day, you know, where they stay in the hotel in Miami, and I was they had some fire ass food. You just want to put that out there, right? The, the, the place I was staying at had some good ass food, right? But I remember, I remember ordering the food. It was like a pasta, and I was looking at it I was like, damn, this is like my last good meal for a minute, bro. And <laughs> until. <laughs> Until you got those sweetest meatballs from the DFAC at Fort Leonardwood, bro. Those sweetest meatballs. Oh my god. god. Yeah. Those meatballs were good. You can yes, see what sir. you want. Those meatballs were good. It made my day well, when I saw them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what, what kept me going, though, is that as soon as I was on a plane, I was like, I already made it this far. Might as well keep going, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's fair. That's fair. Everyone has that thought when they're in our shoes and yeah. one scene or another. So mm-hmm. it's definitely So cool. we're talking about getting off the bus and everything and all that. And I'm like, if it's something you want to talk about a little bit later, that's cool. You can talk but about it now. What, what was your first thoughts when you got off the bus into boot camp? Go ahead, Dennis. Oh, like, I remember being that damn bus, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was like sitting there 
some six two big ass dude comes in, get off my bus! Fucking shaking, grabbing my bag, trying to trying to rush off the bus. We're all lining up like it's like six rows of like ten people. They're going by, giving us like little stickers on our foreheads. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then, and then, uh, all the then you see the old drill songs line up. They're like, Alpha, get over here. We're fucking scurrying over there to the bus. We're holding, and then we, as soon as we get off the bus again. You know, we're getting chased by like fucking all ten of the drill songs. I'm not sure if they had the shark attack nowadays, but uh, we all line up, holding the bag up, fucking <laughs> for like an hour. But it was a good time. All right, Hunter. My question is: Are you referring to getting off the bus at reception, or at my basic training company? Because there's those are two different experiences. So shark attack. When y'all started, shark attack was still a thing, right? So yeah. Reception, right? No, no. Reception. Reception was underwhelming. It is not what you expect. Reception is what most people expect a shark attack to happen, but it doesn't happen then. So you let your guard down because the drill sergeants at reception are so much chill. They're, they're chill. They're like, hey, get off the bus. Yeah, you're going to start dressing me as drill sergeant, all right? You say, yes, drill sergeant. No, drill sergeant. Anything comes out of your fucking mouth, I'll fucking make you do push-ups or some shit like that, all right? You understand? Get it right. Get it correct. Let's not have fuck-ups because this is how it's going to be. And, like, you're like, oh, all right, all right, all right, drill sergeant. You know, you're fucking, like, freaking out a little bit, but it's it's really not that intense, right? So you go through reception. It's about a week long, maybe longer for others. It depends on what the medical process is for you or the group that you arrive with. Okay, when you get to your company, that is permanent. That is where you're staying with all the other fucking people that you came with for the rest of your training experience. Those drill sergeants are the same ones you're going to see every day when you wake up and you smile in the morning because you're towing the fucking line and pushing, and that's how you're fucking waking up. Right? Shit is rough. Shark attacks, when I got off of the bus, and I heard that, like, before even, when I got on the bus, it, the shark, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so, difficulties. sorry about <laughs> that, <laughs> before I even got on the bus, I was fucking terrified, and I remember his name, and I can name him because he was my, he was just my drill sergeant, drill sergeant, uh, Barnes, it was Drill Sergeant Barnes and Drill Sergeant Burns, I think. Yeah, Drill Sergeant Barnes and Burns, right? Barnes and Nobles, right? You know, something like that. But they were they fucking got off the buses that arrived to pick us up to get on the buses, and they tore our asses apart, man. I'm sitting there like – and I have the video too of the basic training shit. Like I, I spent money to buy that video, and every time I watch it, in the beginning of the video is us lined up at reception about to get on those buses, and all you can see is – what the fuck did I do written on my forehead? If that isn't the best description of what I felt during getting on that bus in my first experience of a shark attack, I don't know what I can say to describe the pain of that day. Terrifying. Terrifying. Drill Sergeant Richardson, if you ever watch this fucking video, fuck you for terrifying me the way you did. He said that in parade rest. By the way, just saying. He said that in parade rest. Respectfully. <laughs> Respectfully. He said that with Disrespectfully, respect. motherfucker. <laughs> oh, now, now, now you did. Yeah, yeah, now you're done. <laughs> you see him action. Good job. Good job. It's okay. It's okay. He called me princess Why? one too many times. 
you probably deserved it knowing you. Yeah, I did. He did. I did. <laughs> My shark attack experience, I'm going to summarize it with this. Joe Sergeant Magnus, I know you're still serving, but fuck. You're the most fucked up four foot eleven woman I'm ever gonna meet in my life. I'm five foot seven. I never thought someone shorter than me scared me. But fuck, she fucking scared me. You know how you're putting your head in your bag and they say don't peek up. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? Don't peek up. I'm gonna peek up. I peeked up. This fucking lady's on me like a fucking hawk, just looking at me. She's shouting, what the fuck are you doing, private? What the fuck are you doing? What's your name? What's your name? He menace, he menace. Fucking he menace, he menace. It's your fucking name. How about you go back in your fucking bag? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're four foot eleven. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You know, hold up. So I put my head in the bag. I'm like, all right, all right. I prepared for this. I watched YouTube before I left. I know. This is this is an act. This is all an act, right? I wait two minutes. The shouting calms down. There goes me. Private he menace. I'm gonna peek back up. She's still fucking waiting for me. She's still fucking watching me. And she ripped me a new fucking, you know what? Because she knew I was stubborn. She knew. She knew she was four foot eleven. She knew what she was doing. If you try putting, you try claiming your dominance on someone, a drill sergeant, they know. There's a hundred percent knowledge, proof that they know you're trying to claim your dominance on them. And they're going to wait for you. They are going to wait for you to establish that authority. And fuck, when I tell you this four foot eleven fucking staff sergeant was waiting for me, oh, she was waiting for me. She was a great leader. I'm gonna say that. That was a great experience. I'm glad she. I'm glad she taught me how to shut the fuck up. I'm gonna say that. I'm glad she taught me that. And I ran into her later, cause she's actually one of my ex squad leaders' sister in law. So I I ran into her at Carson. I fucking sat down. She sat down right across from me. She looked at me. Don't I know you from somewhere? Nah, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> now I know you from somewhere. Jimenez, fucking private Jimenez. You were my first rotation. You were my first class in sit. Yeah, hello, Joe Sergeant. How you doing? She was like, yeah, I fucking remember you. I was fucking shouting at you because you wouldn't stop looking up. Yup, that's me. That's me. I'm like, fuck, she's going to make me push right here. She's going to make me push. We were in some restaurant. She's going to make me push. You know what she said? She said, that was a great time, huh? I was like, you know what, Joe Sargent? Fucking hated your guts that first day. But yeah, it was a great time. Thank you for teaching me how to shut the fuck up. <laughs> if, that doesn't, if that doesn't summarize how your, how your shark attack goes, then I think they did it wrong. But if, if you didn't learn something from the shark attack, they did it wrong. It was got a good a, experience. Got a real quick taste of reality from that moment on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> only ex only time and place and experience you're gonna ever experience that while serving. Only people that serve will ever experience that. Without a doubt. Facts. Fucking facts. We have about eight more minutes before this podcast wraps up. Do you guys have any last minute thoughts? Experience, yeah, Aubrey. knowledge. Aubrey, Aubrey, let me ask, let me ask you something, Aubrey. Okay, brother, hit me. Did you have a did you have a short drill sergeant as well? Did I have a short drill sergeant as well? I actually believe it or not, Drill Sergeant Richardson sounds like he's a tall guy when I talk about him, right? No. Drill Sergeant Richardson was shorter than me. 
I gotta say, I think he was maybe like five six, and he was a scrawny guy too. Like, come to think about it, now I could probably beat his ass, and I challenge you, motherfucker. I challenge you. <laughs> but drill sergeant, but drill sergeant Richardson was definitely like five six, five seven. He was definitely shorter than me, but he was terrifying. Like everything about that guy, like he was quiet, but he was there. Like you didn't know he was there, but he was fucking there. And then like. You blink, and then he's in your face. Like, he he was ready to fucking do anything. And the way he spoke is the definition of Michael Jackson's smooth fucking criminal. He just knew what he was doing. All of it. Terrifying. I was scared of him. I was terrified, man. He walked into the bay. I was like, oh, this motherfucker's coming right for me. I just know it. And what did he do? Hey, princess. He fucking was there. Right there for me. He tore my ass up every fucking day. He once caught me with dryer sheets in my watch because I wanted to smell good one day. I'm not even going to get into some of that shit. But yeah, and Drill Sergeant Richardson, 5'6", 5'7". Fucking short ass man, but terrifying. God forbid I come across him now. I might shit my pants. I was asked, asked that question because I had a short name, Drill Sergeant as well. Her name was... Uh... I'm not gonna say name, but she 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 was like four ten, four eleven. Four ten, four eleven. That's yeah. another Joe Sergeant Magnus in the making. Definitely. Oh, he's talking to I know his, where this uh, story's roommate. gonna go. I know where this story's gonna go. He's gonna be like, yo, the shortest ones are the most fucked up ones. He's gonna be like, Oh man, I smashed her in the laundry room, bro. Wish it was tight, yo. What? My bad, my, my roommate asked me. You're before. fine. You're fine. What were you saying? I was saying, but, so we had this really drill song, right? She was like maybe like 4'10", 4'11", too. And I'll never forget, you know, I'm 5'8", so we're standing there, you know, in formation underneath the uh, pavilion, you know, morning shit. And you can tell that whenever you're getting yelled at, because all you see is the top of the brim, because you have to look straight. All you see is the top of the brim and a little hand just... <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that y'all are short as fuck. Yeah, we know. Who, me? I told you. We know. Yeah. I'm not short. I'm 5'11". I mean, I'm yeah. one inch below six foot. I'm 5'11". Fuck you, bitch. No, you're not. No, yes, you're not. I am. Thank you. No, you're, not. you're like 5'8", 5'9". You're funny. You're funny. I am not 5'9". I am not 5'8". I am 5'11". I'll fucking beat your ass, you little fucking Mexican, you. <laughs> and there goes the podcast. Wiped off of Spotify. There you go. There we go. Cancelled. Good job. No post ratio. Alright. With all that being said, let's end this army discussion on a good note, right? What are a few things uh, it teaches us how to be better people, and it doesn't teach us directly. It teaches us indirectly by horrible things and horrible means, right? Experience. Experience. Through experience. Horrible experience sometimes, but there's also great experiences, and I don't mean that. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying the great experiences because most of them tend to be great, right? You learn through basic training, like your first unit, your second unit, right? Everything you learn is through ex- it's through experiences. It teaches you. The last podcast that we talked about, Jimbo. All right. 
I talked about life lessons and I can get into it again, but I'm not going to get into it again, but I'm just going to state the fact that life lessons is something that the military gets right every single fucking time. Period. Can't be beat. Gives you the best life lessons. Gives you the best knowledge on how to be a better you because you learn the hard way every time. Oh, definitely. You, Dennis? I want to also feedback of what he said. Definitely life lessons because for me, for sure, before the Army, I never knew when to pick and choose my battles. But when I joined, oh, trust me, I learned that shit pretty fast. <laughs> I, you, you learn how to read the room. You learn when to talk, when not to, when to jump into a conversation, when not to, when to leave the room. <laughs> Without saying goodbye. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Irish goodbyes every time at the bar, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, but you you definitely you definitely learn how to uh for like a guy or a girl doesn't really matter gender how to be a woman how to be a man you know like how to how to mature and stuff like that and also the army always pays you on the second on the fifteenth and the first so it's a steady paycheck so that's really good for a lot of people because you know a lot of jobs it's usually all over the place so and you know exactly how much you're gonna get paid and when which is I think is amazing that's good that's really good. Even though the pay like, shit. Sorry. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a mix of both your guys' answer. The army teaches you who you are. It shows you who you are. Mm-hmm. It gives you an identity. Is that fair to say? Yeah. When you enlist, yeah. you get your own identity. If you were confused, if you were lost about who you are, the military will definitely help you find you, your inner self, I, what kind of person you are. So. I feel like the way you said that, it was on the right track. But it more or less... It makes you who you are. It doesn't help you find it. It makes you who you are. I think, I... I think it's fair to say it's for a good, a good, a good person, a good product. At the end of it, I can agree with what you said, Hunter. It makes you who you are. But I, I, I would more so agree along the lines of what Jimbo said about the help because there is, and specifically now today, is. I'm referring to the new privates, these motherfuckers coming in today, right? They they don't get it yet. And that might just be me as now a senior enlisted soldier, right? I'm a, I'm a sergeant. I'm not senior as in like sergeant first class, some shit like that. But maybe my NCO saw me like that as a private, right? I could help them get it. But they're, we can't make them get it. Especially not now. We can't make them do corrective training anymore. We can't, we can't, yeah. there's a lot of things that we can't do anymore. Because it is a new army. And there's some things that I wish that would stay. Such as corrective training, right? I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't get smoked by, alright, he's not in the army anymore so I can say this. Sergeant Chrisman, you were a horrible and wonderful leader all in one. Okay? But I wouldn't be... The NCO that I am today, or the person that I am today, if you hadn't taught me in the most horrific way of getting smoked in the motor pool with a water can for four hours for losing my 240 in the field, I wouldn't be the NCO I am today if I hadn't learned the the lesson of responsibility through that corrective training today. Period. Okay, so... So yeah, that was he helped basically me. the difference between your generation and before yeah. and then the newer generation. The newer generation would be it helps you find who you are, but before it was 
the military would make you. Yes. You yeah. yeah. But it, it's okay. it's it's a, it's a lot scenario based though. Make would be yeah. a generalization, and I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Like I said, I've never been in the military. I just raised by <clears throat> around army, uh, marines, air force, navy, coast guard. Every we have everything. So. What were you going to say, Mark? just want to say the song of Crispin incident with Agromonte, never leaving my head. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, go for it. it Before before you say that, I just want to say in the podcast, Sergeant Crispin, if you are watching, you were a great dude. Definitely a great dude. It was. Every leader has has their goods and their bads. And as long as your soldier picks up both and knows what to do, what not to do, you were an effective leader. I just want to point that out there. And what I said was proof of that. I 100% agree. And so, Christmas, if you ever do watch this, you're goaded at Call of Duty. Anyway, <laughs> what I was saying was, I'll never forget the uh, song Christmas and Agramante incident. Everyone grab your two forties and get out. Hoorah. Killed me. I Dang. remember that. I remember that. Agro, before <laughs> he picked up, right? Agro, before he picked up, this man, this man kept saying, I'm never going to be an NCO. Fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm done in a year. I'm done. I'm fuck this. Fuck you. Aubrey thought it was a good idea to get everyone recalled in the field. Sergeant Christman's losing his mind because this man hates the field. And you got silly clown Agro over here. Sergeant Christman. Everyone get your shit and get the fuck out. Agro just fucking hoorah. Just fucking dude just, dude, dude just fucking dips like with a smile on his face. And that just aggravated Sergeant Christman even more. <laughs> you can see it on his face. There's some funny people that you're going to meet in the military. But then there's some funny motherfuckers that you're gonna you're gonna miss them after they leave. And fucking aggro, I miss you because that man was funny. That man made my day. I want to add on to that real quick because I was in the tent when he said it. He didn't project it towards me, but I heard that I died after I stopped laughing. I walk out the tent and I see Aubrey and this man aggro running across the field with a two four nine and a two forty. <laughs> Oh, man. And a- we learned how to be the NCOs the hard way. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's fair. That's very fair. That, that, that has to be a future episode. We just talk about all the funniest moments. Yeah. Oh, God. While serving. Well, we'll say that for another one. Our time is already coming up short here. You guys have anything you want to say before we close out this episode? No, do. Don't judge us okay. based off of one short. Judge us based off of listening to us speak to each other and how we interact with each other because there's always more behind the short that you see. We yeah, love you still. Are just, the shorts are to get your guys' attention. At the end of the day, the whole podcast is available on Spotify now. The whole podcast is available. You guys can listen to the whole thing. Just remember that. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. I was joined by Dennis. Hunter, this wraps up our second episode as the new year is upon us. So I want to say happy new year to everybody that watches this. Oh, everybody, this. you guys are here joined by me. I want to say thank you. This wraps up the army topic and join us next week when we discuss a whole new conversation. There's going to be a lot of good conversations happening there. So with that being said, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Happy holidays, y'all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas.